You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. And we're back on this Saturday morning. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, Sports Medicine Weekly. Brand new season, brand new home here on 670 The Score in Chicago. Our next guest, famed orthopedic surgeon, Dr. James Andrew, orthopedic surgeon, founding partner for the Andrews Institute for Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Uh, wow, he's worked on Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Bo Jackson, Jack Nicholas, Brett Favre, John Smoltz, Roger Clemens back in the day. And Dr. Cole, I know you go back as well with Dr. James Andrews. Dr. Andrews has been a great role model. I can tell you as a team physician, we all look to him and how to manage some really delicate issues. I'll tell you, one of the things that we've learned over time is it's less about the how you get it done from man- managing a medical condition to managing the system around the athlete. And he is not only uh, an expert as an orthopedic surgeon and an amazing thinker, probably the most knowledgeable in balancing all the challenges of the system around. You know, Steve, when something happens, we've got everyone whispering in our ear and the athlete has everyone whispering in their ear and there's there's an entire uh, organization behind an athlete when they get injured. And managing that is Something, not something you learn in medical school. It's just something you, you garner through experience, and I can tell you he's taught me an awful lot about that. And one of the great stories from uh, way back, uh, Dr. Andrews performing surgery on Red Sox pitcher Roger Clemens back in 1985 for a labrum tear. Could you go back and tell us about that, Dr. Andrews? Well, that's when uh, the arthroscope was just coming into vogue, and we were learning about it. And, of course, we first started off with the arthroscope, which was the big revelation in sports medicine in the last 50 years, obviously. But we were doing it mostly in the knee. And in, in trying to be a complete sports medicine doctor, I went beyond the knee and, and got interested in the shoulder and the elbow. And, of course, that leads you to baseball. And I started uh, scoping baseball players' shoulder, trying to figure out why they hurt because we didn't know anything really about the throwing shoulder. And Roger Clements, uh, who was a, a rookie at that point, having played uh, college baseball at Texas, University of Texas, came to see me because he had a lingering shoulder problem and his ability to move up the ladder in the pros early uh, was stalled and nobody really knew what was wrong with him. Uh, I saw him in Columbus, Georgia, where I was working with Dr. Jack Houston at the Houston Sports Medicine Clinic and told him that I thought he had a torn labrum, which wasn't a bad guess, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I scoped his shoulder and cleaned up a his rotator cuff and, and his labrum. In those days, all we could do was clean them up. We didn't have any way to repair anything arthroscopically. Some kind of way, lo and behold, uh, six months later, he was back pitching at the major league level. I think he had almost 20 strikeouts in one game there. So that sort of launched my career. I call him my signature patient in, in, in baseball. Sort of launched my career in taking care of baseball players through the last so many years. But that was that was the story with Roger. The other good thing that Roger did was we didn't really know how to rehab or how to pre- do preventative exercises with the throwing shoulder. So Roger worked with us yearly all during his career. He'd come back in the in the off season for a tune up, and he worked with my therapist that worked with me so many years that most of you know about Kevin Wilk and. And between Roger and Kevin, they developed the, the throwing, basic throwing shoulder preventative maintenance exercises uh, that we now call uh, the Thrower's 10. 
And Roger was the poster boy for that. He continued to do those throughout his entire career, which was long, and never had any more problems with his throwing shoulder or his elbow. So he was really instrumental in, in developing those exercises and, and, and showing that they, if you main, had maintenance exercises for your career, you could be healthy. And that was Roger. And Roger today is a real, a real backer of everything we do in our foundation and a close friend. Wonderful story about Red Sox pitcher Roger Clemens with Dr. James Andrews, our guest here on Sports Medicine Weekly, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. I want to ask both Dr. Cole and Dr. James Andrews, uh, Dr. Cole, how, is, uh, how has that changed? You know, Dr. Andrews just said he cleaned up the labrum tear. Now you're repairing it, right? Well, no. So this, that's, a, that's a great question because I think it, was, it has to be Jimmy O'Coin. Look, if you want to find a reason to operate on a baseball player, get an MRI of his shoulder, right? So, Jimmy, correct? Pretty much accurately stated? Absolutely. Yeah. So we what, learn a lot more about it. That's right. It's part of the, of the normal wear and tear in the thrower's shoulder, so you have to really be careful about how you decide when they when they need to be operated on. In this case, with Roger, though, he was shut down, and he'd been through. It wasn't just it happened a week ago. It'd been going on for for six months or so. And did you? So let's clarify. So at that time, I want to you you did he have a debridement? We'll explain what that is. But is that did he have a repair or a debridement? There was a, de- a debridement. Right. We so, didn't have any way to repair right. anything arthroscopically. Which is what? Yeah. Well, what so yeah. So that so the thing, the important point is, you know, this is a guy who couldn't play, treats him, but he does a sm- relatively straightforward. At the time, it was com- maybe complicated, but relatively straightforward procedure. Then we went through this whole evolution of identifying labral tears that maybe were abnormal, maybe weren't. But it's just a fact of overhead athletes. I mean, they're probably adaptive in some response in some respects. In other words, if we if we image all of our major league baseball players, at least half will have a significant labral abnormality. And to Dr. Andrews' credit, he was a minimalist but got him better. The point is that in some ways, and Jimmy, I'd be interested in your points your thoughts on this, technology has driven a lot well, a lot of the way we do things has been driven at least initially by technology. And we sometimes we 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 learn and then we go back to the way things were done years ago. So you were certainly forward-thinking enough that less was more in that instance, and that's all he needed. You know, you have to admit, we've changed some of the things we've done over time because we have this new amazing technology to do things, but sometimes simple is better. And what you did was a pretty straightforward, simple thing. And these players walk around with these abnormalities all the time, you know, and we have to be able to decide what's relevant and what's not, and then what's the least amount you need to do to get an athlete back to play. And what he did was the least amount he needed to do to get it, get it back to play. I can tell you that isn't always the case. I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, you know, technology sometimes goes forward. Sometimes it takes us backwards. But a period of time in the in the 90s and, and even through uh, the, the 2000s, we developed techniques with anchors and our, we could do arthroscopic repairs and we could sew the labrum down. And, indeed, we were doing that almost uniformly. And perhaps we were making throwing shoulders too tight. And as we look back at the results that I published, when we didn't know how to, to sew them down, we just cleaned them up. My results were better back in the 80s than they were in, in the 2000s. As it turns out, we go two steps forward, one step back. Yep. And now we're, we're being a lot more selective about the labral repairs that, that we do when we actually repair them. And we've gone back a little bit to what we did back in the 80s, and that's just cleaning them up and, and, and maintaining their, their fluidness in their shoulder joint. You know, to throw a baseball, you got to be a little bit loose. We've learned when to and when not to, I guess. I hope, anyway, it's still evolving. And as you know, we still have a long ways to go in the throwing shoulder, even though we've done all this work on it for how many years now? 
530. Yep. Dr. No, I, James Andrews, our guest, famed orthopedic surgeon. He's at present the Dr. Andrews serves medical director, orthopedic surgeon, Auburn University, also works at the University of Alabama, Washington Redskins, Tampa Bay Rays. And so, Dr. Cole, take us to modern day then. What has changed then about the labrum tear? Is it still an arthroscopic procedure? Yeah. You know, I think what's become mainstream is the way we we treat it technically in, ter- in terms of using arthroscopy is, you know, for our listeners, is just using a camera. It's a, you know, a five, six millimeter metal tube that we can insert into a joint. It's, two holes then, right? It could be two, it could be three, it could be one. One, yeah. one the camera yeah. goes in one yeah. hole and then you're working with instruments on the other? Right. So, you know, I think what's interesting, while that's interesting and exciting, to me and to others, what's more exciting is learning how to make proper decisions and learning what's normal and abnormal. Throwers have a myriad of abnormalities or presumed abnormalities based upon an MRI or an image, but in many respects, it's the normal wear and tear and it's adaptive. It's part of what makes them a good thrower. So while it may look as abnormal anatomy, our goal is not necessarily to restore normalcy because they've evolved that way over time as throwers because, let's face it, the velocity, the forces, the energy that gets transmitted to the joint is enormous. So what we have to be careful of is not not trying to reverse something by repairing something that shouldn't be repaired. And I can tell you that, you know, that's where the art of doing less, not more really comes in and also understanding what's truly normal and abnormal because what's abnormal for you may not be abnormal for a guy who's throwing 90 miles an hour, you know, you know, 40, 50, 60 pitches. Do you understand? Right. That's often, or a swimmer or a volleyball player, that's often what enables them to do what they do. The challenge is when it becomes abnormal anatomy that becomes painful, what's the treatment and what's the least amount we can do to get it better? Dr. Andrews, are you seeing more with, with baseball pitchers in the shoulder or in the elbow? I can tell you this. When I walk in an examining room on Monday morning with a new baseball player patient, first thing I look at is I can, I can tell they're, they're either a shoulder or elbow, and I'll ask them uh, what's bothering you because that's the first thing I want to know. And if it's the elbow, I'm sort of relieved. But if it's the shoulder, I'm saying, oh, my goodness, here we go. Wow. Uh, but in my practice, surgically, uh, the elbow is, is more commonly operated on than the shoulder is. And we're more, more conservative to treat the shoulder non-operative than we are uh, the throwing elbow. So I think at this point in time, I'm seeing more elbows than I am shoulders. And yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah. Not good for the player, but it's, it's good for being able to take care of them. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, what you're alluding to is when they have an elbow problem, it's a very discreet, well-defined entity that is often a structural issue. It can be associated with abnormal anatomy, and you fix it, and they get well. The difference is in the shoulders. It's just, as I said, this myriad of sort of things that may be abnormal, but we don't necessarily have that. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that going in and fixing it makes it better when there's plenty of non-surgical things that can be done to make them well. How do you generally... It's a lot more complicated to try to decide what to actually do with the throwing shoulder uh, than the elbow, too. And with the throwing shoulder... Our rule is we don't operate on the throwing shoulder uh, unless they fail conservative treatment. And the first thing I tell a baseball player, particularly these young ones that come in, they want to be operated on because they have a little minor injury that is not even halfway significant in a major league baseball player's shoulder. And I tell them all this. I said, the last thing you want to do is have your throwing shoulder operated on. And I tell them that right up front. That's interesting. Yeah, well, so what's the treatment, Dr. Andrews and Dr. Cole, on the elbow? The problem is valgus extension overload. That means when you throw a baseball, there's tremendous stress across the inner side of your elbow, and, and that stress is related to the backside of your elbow, 
and the stabilizing part of your elbow that's so important is what everybody knows about, and that's the Tommy John's ligament, the so-called ulnar collateral ligament across the inner side of your elbow, and that's where the stress is applied when you throw a baseball, and and that's the injury that we're most often seeing. So that's the one that you hear about. That's the one that's most commonly operated on, and uh, it's fixable, but it's it, the results of fixing that reconstruction-wise is still not 100%. So you have to be careful even with the elbow that you don't operate on it when conservative treatment could get them well. So uh, it's still uh, a little bit of a dilemma, but it's not that hard to figure out what's wrong with the elbow compared to the shoulder, for me at least. I'm sure for you too, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's generally, you know... You can ask a few questions, and uh, for better or worse, sometimes you can make, you can do you could do it just through a conversation. Verify it by physical. You kind of know what an X-ray is going to show. MRI just verifies it. Addition, you know, it's an additive thing for a diagnosis. But you can talk to an athlete and figure out what's going on in the elbow pretty easily and verify it very quickly. And it's usually it's far more straightforward in general, not always, uh, than what we see in the shoulder. Shoulder. That's why the shoulder is so interesting to all of us because it's such a complicated joint. And just because something is structurally not normal on an MRI, the disconnect between what's on that MRI and how a patient feels is they can be miles apart. It's right and left field, you know, and that's why it's that's the art of medicine and trying to figure it out. And that's what I think people find so interesting with it. You made a, a really good point. And to make it simple, what I preach all the time is listen to the patient. And athletes are very good historians particularly baseball players, if you just sit down and, and listen to them instead of trying to dominate the conversation, you'll usually know what's wrong with their shoulder and or their elbow or both uh, before you even get to your physical exam. So listening to the patient is important in anything we do in medicine, by the way. I think the average time before a physician interrupts a patient is seven seconds. Is that the number you use? There is. 18 seconds. That <laughs> oh. was a scientific study. 18 seconds? A doctor interrupts the patient trying to tell him what they, what's, what's bothering him, and he starts talking himself and telling him what he thinks yep. before they even, he even has a, 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 a solid conversation with the patient. you got to remember, these patients are nervous. They're scared something bad's wrong with them. Uh, you got to sit down and, and let them get comfortable with you so you can really get to the bottom and of what's wrong with them. And the problem in modern-day medicine is that that takes some time. And the problem we all have, Brian, and I'm sure you can, can identify to that, there's, there's so much paperwork and so much outside information that we don't have enough time in our daily schedule pro to properly listen to a patient and get to know him. Uh, we walk out of the room a lot of times, don't even know their name. Yeah. Wonderful stuff, Dr. James Andrews, famed orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Andrews, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Really appreciate your uh, your time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Appreciate it, Dr. Andrews. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Brian. Back with more of our show, Sports Medicine Weekly. On 670 The Score.